0: Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Gaby Mackay, and joining me today is a man who, like Scott McTominay, is no stranger to a Friday night spent desperately trying to get a grip on a Russian blonde. <laughs> it's Jules <Jill's laughs> Boyle. Don't tell do that, that was Toten's <laughs> Confidence. On today's show, we'll be reflecting on Friday's game as Scotland are well and truly put in their place by a Russian team displaying the kind of ruthless attacking away from home, which hasn't been seen since Leon Trotsky got an ice pick in the Napa. Elsewhere, Bobby Madden's had a badden, annoying both Finland and Italy with the most inept Scottish performance since Friday. And just to complete the theme of general ineptitude, we'll be finishing with a game's game. Woo! So, Jules, on Friday night, you and I were both here to witness the most devastating Russian attack since those lads visited Salisbury Cathedral. With Steve <laughs> Clark, Scotland side well and truly swatted aside at Hamden, after a positive start in which John McGinn gave us the lead, the visitors were well and truly on top and took a relatively routine win. So, Jules, you and I both watched the game. What were your thoughts on it?
1: Um, basically, I mean, if, you, if anyone listened to the podcast on Friday uh, afternoon, it was basically we predicted everything. Sadly, um, as you say, it started well. And you know, obviously, Steve Clark is not a lot of time as that international manager thing. He's getting a wee week here, a wee week there. It's going to take him time to build what he wants to do, get him doing what he wants to do. But he is very good at that, as you saw with Kilmarnock. As you saw what he does, he's good at organising his teams, he's good at getting them to play with the resources they've got and and getting his tactics right. He's, He's all these sort of things. And the first. 10, 15, 20 minutes or so, it it seemed to be happening. He had it there. There was, McGinn had a shot in the first 30 seconds. They obviously got the goal. They looked organised. They knew what they were doing. And then this just, this wave passed over them of sheer confusion and panic. I think it was the only way to describe it. It just obviously was that nobody seemed to know what they were doing. They were giving the ball away for no reason. They were were headless chickens. It, it very occasionally, I, I noticed it didn't really cut to see Clark and the touchline very often the the the, the coverage, and you can just imagine they'd be pulling out what's left his his napper an job, <laughs> yeah. and it was just like it was oh it was horrific, and I, I hate to say it, you're just thinking oh here we go, you know it's it's almost like everybody knew this was going to happen, and it just didn't seem to happen at first, and it was just it was just so many so many things going wrong. Obviously, there was a makeshift defence it was like you know you. would um, was it you know, maybe third, fourth, fifth choices in there at the centre half? You had McTominay there. You had, I mean, Andy Robertson. You know, the the the, the legend, the hero, um, was as poor as you'll ever see him. You had McBurney up front. I mean, to be fair to him, without piling on, it's all his fault. He wasn't getting a lot of service. It wasn't getting good crosses But any time he did actually get the ball near him or at his feet, he seemed to just not know what to do with it. All over the pitch, it was just. It was just riotous. It was absolutely riotous. Um, I thought to looked decent when he came on, but I mean, as much as he can look decent in that. It was just, it was ultimate Scotland, I think it was. It really was. And the, the worst bit was, as much as I like Steve Clark, not as much as you, obviously. I don't, <laughs> I don't have Steve Clark bed sheets. but um, before it, 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 said, it said basically that thing of, uh, it's not a must-win game, as long as we get points for these three games, which was Russia at home, uh, Belgium at home, and Russia away. And even then, you thought, hmm, okay. And obviously, we've made a complete pigs' ear of Russia at home. And now, eh, Belgium is a is a must win. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so Scotland. It's like it's ultimate. that are great. We, we, we've messed up our bankers. Here we go. And now we need to we, we need to get three points off Belgium. Brilliant.
0: Yes. Well, I think we'll co- we'll come on to Belgium in a little <laughs> bit. But I mean, I agreed. You actually thought Scotland were. Sort of largely in control of the game for the mm-hmm. first 20 minutes. Um, it was a sort of classic Steve Clarking. Russia had yeah. most of the ball, but they never really looked like getting through the defence. You know, it was a yeah. sort of packed midfield. They couldn't really play through it. They were trying to go wide, and, you know, Forrest and uh, Fraser were doing some good defensive work. And it seemed to me like they just sort of realised here we've got a, they've got Juba up front, who's like a James Bond henchman. <laughs> that they just, there was a sort of the first real chance they had of the game was the just a ball get chipped into him and he got up above Mulgrew and headed uh, it. You know, he's six foot five. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, Marshall made the save and it kind of, whether the, the manager said to them or whether they just went, here, that worked. They started going long a lot more, yeah. which just meant that they didn't have to try and play through the midfield. Ah. And uh, it was a great striker performance from Juba. I thought, you know, he really brought, you know, he's, he's winning flick-ons. He was chesting it down to people. He was laying off to people. I thought he did really well. Yeah. Uh, and, and when that started happening, we looked a bit more, more ropey. But then it's just, as, as well, another sort of individual mistake. I mean, as I alluded to uh, in the intro, I thought um, McTominay, who... Uh, plays for Manchester United so he's obviously uh-huh. a decent decent player and I thought he was doing a really good job at first of sort of shackling uh Golovine, mm-hmm. who was certainly the most creative uh force oh, the he'd have for right. Russia. Yeah. yeah exactly. Um and for the first sort of forty minutes he was he was he was on him, he was tight on him, he was doing really well and then just for the for the goal he just switches off. He just, just you, yep. you see him, he looks round, he sees he's there, and then he sort of watches the ball out on the right and that's when, you know, a good player just knows when to go. Uh-huh. He goes, he gets into space. Uh, Robertson ends up kind of scrambling across to try and clear it. And then he just ends up knocking it right into the path yep. of Juba, who's, who scores the goal. So, yeah, I thought I thought that was a, d- a difficult one. But, I mean, you know, we're talking about the performances of the players there. And you alluded to some of them. Now, there was a lot of players who who didn't perform on that. I mean, you know, uh, as a Kilmarnock fan, I'm a big fan of Stephen O'Donnell. But he, he had a shocking game. Yep. As you said, I mean, Robertson on the other side, who obviously is a much better player than than O'Donnell. But, you know, he had a poor game. And he's still better, yeah. yeah I thought Callum McGregor, um, you know, for a guy who who you want to get on the ball to take the tempo, he gave the ball away cheaply a lot. You know, he looked really sort of nervous in possession. Do you, what do you think that is? Do you think that it's that we in Scotland sort of overrate how good our players are and then we come up against better opposition, we don't know it? Or do you think that it's sort of something psychologically about playing for the national team that there's some sort of... You know, fear creeps in that there's something to do with
1: that. I think it's definitely the latter. I think um, all you need to do is look at um, Kazakhstan. You look at look at all these other teams. You look at these games we have played in the past. You even look at San Marino, which we did win, but it was an absolute grind. It's not where it's not the good players that could come up against better players. They're the, the, the good players who who do that, but there's also good, the good players who come up against much worse players and still choke. Um, and I think basically, I mean, I'm not sure. What the answer is, I think, there's definitely a psychological reason. I think the fact that there's there's been, you know, how long has it been now since our, our last tournament? Yeah, maybe? it was 1998. Was, the last France, thing, yeah. it was so that's like, you know, um, I'm working on a number Is at 31 years, 21 uh, years. Yeah, so yeah, so it will be <laughs> 20. <laughs> it will
0: be 22 year. If we get to Euro 2020, that will be uh-huh. the first
1: in 22
0: years. 22 years, yeah.
1: right there you go. So, um, so I think maybe just that's a factor. I, you, you can understand that's a factor wearing where wearing the minds. Every, every Professional footballer, plays for a country desperate to play in the World Cup or the, or the Euros, the big stages. I mean, and the longer it goes on, the more pressure there is. Do you know what I mean, it's like you know, it's like your mate that's you know know a bird for three years. Do you know what I mean, <laughs> and, and as it goes on, and as it goes on, he starts getting about. You know what I mean? And it's like that. There's this desperation there. There's just I think the weight, the pressure of it, and the longer it goes on. And you saw it again on Friday night. It just seems to be there's, there's a psychological thing going on. And I think both Robertson and Clark. Said as much in their interviews. I can't remember which one said what, but one said basically we, we seem to be scared, and one said, you know, we just seem to panic or freeze. Um, and, and that was all you could see that. I mean, there's just something going on. Even when we go ahead, even when we're playing reasonably well, and we go ahead, something just happens and it just stops us from doing what they're doing. You can see the players that are there, and you look at Northern Ireland, you look at Ireland, I mean they've, they've not got, or Wales apart from Gareth Bale obviously, they've not got like consistently better players than we do, they take players for the championship, they've got these things, but they punch above their weight, they get into the tournaments every so often, they do these things like Scotland did before, so they're not any better than us, well they shouldn't be, but they are, um, and I mean I was talking to some mates that are, are, are Irish about it, and they were saying no you've done well and blah blah blah, just you know, it's, I under the rubbish, and I was like well, but he's still... You know, they're top of their table with whatever. Yeah, I think that. they've got what, 10 points or yeah,
0: something?
1: 11. Like only, is it 11? Yeah, 11, yeah. Uh, and, and, and my wife was saying oh, she's Irish and she was going oh, but still, I'm not like, no, but it's bankers. You've won your bankers so you're not leaving yourself which in a situation. Which do. is what we do, yeah. And I, I said it before the Frederic game, like, you've won your bankers meaning you don't desperately have to win against the big... And obviously, we've got this again with it as the bankers. There's something psychologically wrong with Scotland and obviously you can talk about grassroots and you can talk about bringing players through and these things but there is enough players in the Scotland pool. Even with injuries, you would think to to have enough to not do so badly as we do and it happens time and time again. Well you know, maybe again you'll get rid of Strachan, when we did and, and this panic thing, changing managers and stuff as well. That's another factor. There's obviously organizational things wrong, but I think when it comes down to it there's just something in the very root of the mentality that just means good players come on that big stage and don't do as well.
0: Yeah, I think I think the the point you make about Northern Ireland is a good one. I mean, you know, they've they're yeah. a team that's got like Josh McGinnis up front, who is I mean, you know, a good, hardworking pro, yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott, but he's nobody's idea of a sort of superstar Ball. forward. You know, no. I think if you look at the Northern Ireland squad, I mean, a lot of them play in Scotland. Ah. You look at the Northern Ireland squad compared to the Scotland squad in terms of player ability, yeah. and certainly. Um, nowhere near but they, they you know they, they're, they're in a group with Germany and Holland so they probably uh, won't get to the tournament yeah. but they're, they're competing well. they've been in tournaments previously they on top of the table and yeah. obviously
1: more games and these sort of things like that, but Absolutely. They're, they're, they're competing yeah, yeah they're, they're not just yeah. like
0: and sort of feeding into that I mean the Hamden attendance on Friday night on what was a, was a nice evening mm-hmm. was a you know notionally a big game okay Russia I think we knew going into the game were a better team than us. I don't yeah. think anybody was expecting to turn them over. But the Hamilton Henders was thirty two thousand four hundred and thirty two, yeah. which was a lot less than they got at Murrayfield for a
1: blooming rugby friendly. Uh-huh. So do you think that's a sort of there's a sort of apathy setting in about the Scotland national team these days? Hundred percent, and it's unfortunate. I think it's. Not, I don't think it's these days. I think it's been there for a while. Um, I mean, the Russia game, obviously, I mean, you can understand why Scotland-Cyprus doesn't sell out. That's, you know, a geeky game with the highest order, do you know what I mean? And only your hardcore might go to that and it's thing or might take to schools and stuff. Scotland-Russia is a big, that's a big game. It's, it's a, it's a, one, it was a crunch game, a hugely important game. Two, it's against a decent team with good players in it that may be an a exciting game of football. It's not super glamour-friendly game, to, not friendly-looking game, but it's a game you would think you would get an attendance at. But again, it's just it's fallen away, and I think you just need to look again at how long it's been since been a tournament. There's there's generations grown up who've never seen Scotland eh, in a tournament, you know I mean? not seen them at all. The older, Jimmy, you know mean? I said it before, we worked out if you bought yourself a legal pint in a pub watching Scotland a major tournament, you need to be thirty five or something. It's insane. Do you know what I mean? And these these kids have grown up not having. Yeah, that. Just
0: to, just 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 on that, just to let you behind the curtain. We've got a, a guess in the studio. I'm not going to ask you to go on, Mike. But how, how old are you? <laughs> Seventeen. He's never seen Scotland in the no. international tournament.
1: That's, he was wasn't years un- before it. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. wasn't even alive, and he's here. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, he could probably get away with getting a cheeky pint in the pub if the barman. Do not encourage
0: seventeen-year-olds to drink not on the podcast. I'm you could probably get away with it, right? That's all I'm well, right. I wouldn't
1: do it. I am very good with cards, but that's. Th- I think that is the problem we've got. We've got is basically you've got generations grow up seen as fail and fail and fail. And you don't have that buy-in. It's not like club football where you, you get your team when you're a kid and you support through thick and thin, no matter as we've both had, of horrors. The national thing, is just drifting away. And, and the, the more it goes on, the less this buy-in is there. And obviously you've got all the other stuff where, like, you know, half the Celtic fans and Rangers fans in the country think that, you know, Scotland's against them or all these sort of things that have they've, they've they've legitimate reasons in different ways sometimes. There's all these other reasons, but I think it's just the interest is fading and fading. And if we make a, a, a mark of this one, It's fading again and you're adding another... Four years onto that that list. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. it's going to be get point. You need to be forty to have had a pint. It's getting out of hand. Right.
0: Run. So uh, we'll move on to the Belgian game in just a second. Uh-huh. But uh, even before the Belgian game, we're out now. Anyway, it's all about the Nations League, isn't it? I mean, if yeah. uh, if Russia are playing Kazakhstan tonight, if they win and we lose, there'll be nine points clear. Yeah. There's no way. So yeah, we can just we can write this off. Basically, use the last games as just
1: it's practice. Pra- I think it's all it is now without being defeatist. It's more realistic. It's practice for Clark to get his team in order and get his style up. The in order and get them doing what they're meant to be doing in time for the, for those playoffs because Absolutely. it's gone, do you know what I mean? But they, they need to use it properly and get it right. So on that
0: happy note, we are facing Belgium tonight.
1: Yeah. Uh, the good news is
0: that Aidan Hazard is out. The bad news is that Kevin De Bruyne, Romelu Lukaku, Dries Mertens, Yuri Tielemans and Thibaut Courtois are all fit. <laughs> Jules, do we have any chance tonight? No. Correct,
1: but, uh, <laughs> perhaps expand on that. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, God Almighty! Of all the of all the games to have a must win now. It's so Scotland. I mean, it's just in that we, we've had chances with opportunities here. We've given them away, and now we've got to face that team. And to be honest, if it was just those players you mentioned and nobody else on the pitch, we'd probably still lose. <laughs> yeah, if it was eleven against those. <laughs> yeah, six or just whatever. those six, we'd probably still lose. It's just we, we, we do this to ourselves again and again, and now and it's and again, it's not. It's not even like we've got Russia tonight as a must-win. It's, it's them. It's Belgium. It's some of the best players in the world who've played together. Who've played together for a, a good while. They don't, yeah, just,
0: they're all of a similar age. I think they're still ranked. They're still ranked as the number one team in the world. The last they, time I looked, yeah. Yeah, they were in the, the World Cup semi-final. I mean, we've read out the names. The, uh-huh. the names don't in need introduction. And the, th- the thing about this is that you know we all know that basically it was lost in Kazakhstan we're playing yeah. Belgium tonight they're just a much better team than us if we yeah. lose to Belgium tonight there's really no shame in it no. you just, they just have better footballers we sh- we than we do we should lose to Belgium yeah, yeah. exactly uh, I do kind of get the sense that because it's a must-win game we'll put in some sort of heroic performance and then like <laughs> not necessarily win but we'll, we'll be winning at some point yeah, and, we'll, yeah. and, we'll, and we'll all suddenly be going oh maybe, maybe we'll and, and no. it no. absolutely will not happen yeah, yeah well I think we'll, we'll obviously discuss that game a bit more tomorrow I mean there's no point going hugely in depth about no. the game when a lot of people will be listening to this show a couple hours before the game yeah. on so um, we'll move on and as much as we'd like to move away from Scottish ineptitude one of our referees was causing a stir on the continent last night Bobby Madden was the man in the middle for Finland's Euro 2020 qualifier against Italy and it's fair to say he did not cover himself in glory he awarded a penalty to Finland which I will generously describe as seen them given then he booked Italian goalkeeper Gigi Donnarumma for drinking water. <laughs> and having successfully angered the Italians, he then evened things up by giving the Azzurri a penalty of their own, which Jorginho converted to secure a 2-1 win for Roberto Mancini's side. In the match ratings in the Corriere della Sport, Madden was given 4.5 out of 10, and the rating said the penalty given against Finland is impossible, even with the new rules, and that booking Donnarumma was inexplicable. <laughs> Jules, we've said many times on this podcast that there's no grand conspiracy among Scottish referees. They're not out to get anyone. But do you think there's an issue just with the quality of our officials, just with their basic
1: competence? 100%. 100%. I think um, the the long-running accusation and paranoia of conspiracy and, you know, bias and stuff like that, I think there's been definite hints and evidence of it in the past. I mean, going back, there has been of these sort of things. But again... Uh, now I think it's just, but what it does is it feeds their incompetence. Now feeds into that being a thing, and everybody's convinced they're against them. You see, Bobby Madden he's announced as the referee for a Rangers Celtic game. Both sets of fans go totally <laughs> exactly. mental. Oh well, that's it then. That's it. He'll give them everything. Yeah, and you have to check what wee flag they've got and yeah, the thing yeah. to see who it is because if they've
0: got sixty-seven or uh-huh, you know yeah. Barcelona. Uh-huh. a yeah, ha! Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And it's just like because everybody's convinced because he will get it wrong and he will do it and there's howlers there's things that you think you know and it's almost fair enough. The first thought you think is he's totally corrupt because it's so blatant. And it's not. He's just it's totally just... incompetent, and they do it. And look, Willie Collum as well. Everyone's convinced he's either or, and then he goes away to like you know whatever the Champions League or the World Cup or these things, and gets a howler wrong, humiliates us all even more than the football team. <laughs> yeah. does. You're like, oh God, he's our best, and look what he's just done. So it's not like he's biased against some country in Europe. Do you know what I mean? When I think oh, that, they just Get it wrong. I mean,
0: like, one of the worst referee performances I've ever seen was Willie Collum was a Saint Mirren v Coman match. I think it was. New New Year's Day, it's about twenty ten. Horrible day as well, raining. Yeah. He gave he gave Kelly two penalties, which were not penalties. <laughs> uh, he sent off a St Mirren player. For, I don't know for I don't know what he sent off Kelly player. All right technically he's probably right because he ran into the crowd so he gave him a second booking But uh, and then he gave St Merin a penalty at the end which St Merin weren't even appealing for he just sort of gave a penalty <laughs> I think it was a penalty on Jim Goodwin and he you know Jim Goodwin's turned around to run back for the, yeah. <laughs> the, the goal kick and then he's going oh it's a
1: penalty oh hi, on uh, okay cheers and you know uh,
0: Bobby Madden uh, a perfect example was uh, the Old Firm game just before the international break You know, so early on you get one Callum McGregor goes steaming in clear booking doesn't, doesn't give anything yeah. well he gives a free kick doesn't book him. And then later on, you get Ryan Jack, which was probably a red or, uh-huh. you know, certainly yeah. an orange. Aye, um, aye, easily. He goes absolutely flying in. And, well, did he even give a free kick? Um, uh, well, it's, but certainly he yeah. didn't book him either. No, no. And, you know, I think there's sort of evidence that, no, they're not biased. They're just completely incompetent. Just completely incompetent. Um, yeah. But I think it is, I think it is a problem if you have that, the, if you don't have the right standard of refereeing in your country. I mean, you, you remember when the referees went on strike because they were being criticized so much. Yeah. And it sort of backfired because all the foreign referees came over and they took charge of games and then everyone went well they were really good
1: yeah uh-huh. <laughs> yeah totally it was a really noticeable thing I mean and it's you know you have to protect the referees and blah blah and obviously in like, other countries um you have the like, referees can explain their actions in the press and stuff like that and I always do think that could be helpful um and I, I, I think yeah it's I mean weird I,
0: I saw one um just to go forward the what on with that um like so, the World Cup. they I might speak, but I heard an interview with Howard Webb, who mm-hmm. refereed the twenty ten World Cup final. Yeah, and you know there was that famous Nigel De Jong tackle where he kicked the Spanish player in in the chest. Yeah, and um, Howard Webb was saying that he wasn't allowed to come out and explain his decision, but he was like, "Look, it was." pretty simple i was the wrong side of him i didn't see what happened and he's like you know if i yeah. could come out and just said look i was in the wrong position and i didn't see it people uh-huh. will probably be more understanding yeah but then yeah. because you can't come out and say it people just you know they invent their own conspiracy it's theories a meta, it's a
1: wall of silence yeah I mean? it's, absolutely it's, yeah it totally is and it's just i think it feeds into that paranoia but the problem going back to the problem i have is they're not very good um and yeah. this is the issue i mean they brought in the foreign restaurant we oh hang, hang on a minute and you can see a different level of it But nothing's really changed on it because you're not allowed to criticise them they're not allowed to say anything back then everyone's convinced that they're biased against them and they keep happening and they keep happening and you see it every week in the the premiership you'll see at least one decision you go oh yeah, you get that from And and the one that Ibrox last week or week before whatever it was you can see he was doing that thing where they don't get the cards out early because, you know, it can be... A Which, tradition. by the way,
0: is not, like, in the rules of football. No, no, no. If, not. Like, it, if it's, it's a booking after 67 minutes, it should be a booking after 7. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And I understand the thinking on it of keeping my lid on it and blah, blah, blah But it doesn't keep a lid on it because what it does, it just makes everybody go more and more tonto yeah, until somebody finally gets yeah. a card and then it's going, all right, make calm down. A bit. But at that point, it's a frenzy of stuff where everybody's going nuts. Rather than just getting the cards out, having a having a serious word, even the, even the second offence of doing that, it's, so, right, you've done it once, you're getting booked the next yeah. time. But it's on and on and on. And then you get things like that Jack one was like studs up. It was like right, you know, a right in the ads almost. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It was, it was like a total of that the McGregor one, I mean he just he was anticipating um yeah. a collision, you know what I mean? It was like whoosh, up in the area thinking, Oh god, that's already do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's a definite card. Jack's a definite card. There was many, many other definite cards and they don't do them. And it feeds into that narrative that there's something up and there's something like that and it's not it's just poor refereeing and it happens week in week out but these are our best referees this, this is the yeah, problem that's, that's we've got the, so what
0: do you think the solution is i mean obviously in england the referees are professional they work full-time do you think that's something
1: that could help i've said that for a while i think definitely i think full-time referees it uh, is their job but i don't know i mean what, what happens if you if you've got your job and you're not very good at it you get training you get support you get a like performance managed how you've done and that sort of stuff you've got this that i need to get this right you you there's things in place and if you don't get it eventually your chances are you're probably not going to have a job much longer because you're rotting at it whereas up here seems to be a game for life a job for life until you know unless something unless you do something particularly uh, Mm -hmm. insane and stupid or bad but you're fine and it's part-time it's just it needs fixed i think what what could be helpful is new blood for a start because Mm -hmm. we don't have you know to use a business term, we know you don't have the staff. I mean, we don't have a good enough staff to do the job properly. So, should we bring in new people, bring in foreign referees? Well, yeah, but there's no reason why we can't have Scottish referees getting brought through and of a better standard. Maybe make the new ones full time. Maybe bring it through and, and start a program where maybe in five years' time we've got a whole new breed of new referees, younger referees, hungrier, more aware of the rules, more aware of how to do the job. Maybe we different. Um, coaching techniques and ideas coming from abroad and, and bringing these things in just being better or, or, or while in the meantime getting these guys better at their job because if, if any other job in the world you consistently get it wrong howlingly wrong week in week out you'd be gone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You'd be absolutely and gone. There
0: just isn't the same scrutiny on, on referees mm-hmm. and, you know, certainly managers and officials aren't allowed to criticise them. Now, yeah. we understand that you don't want people coming out and, uh, you know, saying the refs are biased or really yeah. something yeah, because it can stuff. have real-world consequences of these people, but... yeah. You know, you basically can't say anything. Anyway, I'm like that. We managed to get through that discussion without anyone saying it is a difficult job. That one, <laughs> one always gets on my nerves. It's oh, like well you know, brain surgery is difficult. Yeah, but if yeah. someone comes in and go, "Oh, sorry, I've accidentally lobotomized your grand," <laughs> but you know, in fairness to me, it's yeah. a difficult job. Waka waka. Yeah, yeah you yeah. still
1: have questions. Uh, uh-huh, so exactly. I mean, of course, it
0: is a difficult job. But well, that, yeah, that, those jobs are difficult. Yeah, but
1: I mean, being a, being a fireman is difficult. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, you'll know, be able to see a really blatant issue that's not a penalty as a penalty. It's not the hardest thing. The world, no, exactly.
0: Right, so having covered that, we'll continue uh, in the uh, vein of uh, absolute shambles, and we'll go on to That's how it all. his game. Ooh. So for today's game, there's just me and you, Jules, So the way we'll the way we'll decide who wins is if if you don't get the answer, I'll get a point, and if you do, you'll get a point, and we'll okay. work that out, right?
1: As long as it's not another one that makes little. Seven no, no, okay. it's not.
0: No, so so <laughs> so, what, so what this one is uh, is it's going to go from pretty easy to medium to pretty damn difficult right Okay. what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you out a list of clubs that a player has played for now one of them will be a Scottish club or more than okay. one of them um, but it's a player that's played in Scotland it's the clubs they played for so I'm going to read out the clubs and you have to identify the player by the clubs they played for right okay, so it starts off easy you, you okay I, I'm confident that you'll
1: be able to get it's a memory day. game you know, am suck at memory games right okay.
0: <laughs> player number one <laughs> Nitra Santetia Bastia doucheborg Celtic Ichihara and then Nitra again. Say them again. Nitra, Santetia, Bastia, Duschborg, Celtic, Ichihara, Nitra. Would you like a clue? Yes, please. Nitra is in Slovakia.
1: Lubo? Lubomir Moravchik. I correct. Good clue. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs>
0: okay, so that's one to Jules. Player two. Perugia, Rangers, Salernitana, Milan, Sion. Say again. Perugia, Rangers, Salernitana, Milan, Sion. Clue, please. Andrea Pirlo's bodyguard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, um, is he a very unattractive man?
0: Uh, I don't know I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I think that might be a little bit harsh so you know think of a guy who famously played for both Rangers and Milan
1: mm-hmm. I'm thinking is that the
0: Jules is miming the long <laughs> long hair here I'm not sure I can give you that no Mark Haley no, no it's not Mark Haley no yeah did you give up yeah that was Gennaro Gattuso oh of course I thought you'd have got that so yeah. that's, that's one each yeah. Uh, so we'll move on to the slightly more difficult ones. Player number three, we've got Sochaux, Marseille, Monaco, Marseille again, Atalanta, Strasbourg, Montpellier, and finally, Hibs. <laughs> so I'm going to say, I'll, I'll give you a clue. For, well, this isn't even a clue. You can have a clue after this. But basically, there's a lot of French teams there. So you're thinking mm-hmm. of a French player that played for Hibs.
1: Sozzy? Frank sose is correct. Oh, sorry. Say, say it again. Sorry? Pronounce it again for me. Frank sose Frank sose <laughs> Yeah. Uh,
0: that's 2-1 to Jules. <laughs> we'll move on to player number four. Caen, Bordeaux, West Ham, Real Madrid, El Spor. That's a Turkish one. I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation. I apologise to the people of Turkey. Bordeaux again. Comarnock, Inter-Turku, Borneo and finally Fresjus San Rafael.
1: Not a clue with that one. Give us a give us a clue. <laughs>
0: um he nearly signed for Rangers and he played like three games for Real Madrid.
1: Nah, nah not right. That rather.
0: was Julien Faubert. Of course. Yes, so that's two each. I'm not confident now when you're getting into the, the section, which I, I'm going to call the journeyman section. So, <laughs> also I you think is, it's difficult and doomed. Is, yes, this is why I left a lot of time at the end of this podcast to get through <laughs> the clubs these two lads have played for. Player number five. Played for Zalgris Vilnius, CSKA Moscow, which I believe is pronounced Cheska Moscow, but I knew if I said that it would just confuse yeah, you. Just, much- uh, Torpedo Moscow, Club Brugge, Real Sociedad, Benfica, Porto, Nice, Countess Hearts, A. A. K. Larnica, Belenenses, Skontoriga, R. E. O. L. T. Vilnius, New England Revolution, and Fakel Voronezh. <sighs> you might be able to tell from the Countess. I think Harps this is this is a this is a Romanov. Yes, era that's exactly player. what I was
1: thinking. But there, there was many many Romanov era players yes, down the two of like that. So, Colin Whitey. So that's a lot, and it's of at like that. Um, that we felt it was a bit of a cheat. No,
0: that's Olias Michelou. Yes. No, I nearly did pick him, but I thought yeah. that was maybe too obscure. But clearly, you'd have got that yes. one. Um <laughs> I believe this guy. I don't know if he played in the Champions League final or if he played against the NFC Cup final, but he certainly played for Jose Mourinho's Porto team and he was right. a striker. <sighs> nah, nah, okay. That was Edgaris Jankowskis. Nah. No, never heard of him. No. (laughs) Right, okay. Well, I have, obviously, but i would never get that in a zillion years. Well, the Hearts fans at home hopefully will have got that. And the final one, this is player number six. Nantes, Manchester United, Aston Villa, Burnley, Qatar Sports Club, Odense, Hapoel Tel Aviv, Partizan Belgrade, St Mirren, Chenayin, Persibaya. Bayankara, I think it's an Indian club, so that might be wrong, Chateaubriand, and FC Bayorge Balaig.
1: That's ultimate journeyman stuff, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you're hitting India and stuff, yeah, as well, absolutely. and Paisley. Um, no, clue with that. Um, win this?
0: His, he's got a double-barreled second name. Um, Jacob Rees-Mogg. <laughs> no, it's not Jacob Rees-Mogg. Uh, good guess, though. No, that was, in fact, Eric
1: Jemba Jemba. Ah, of course. So yeah. Of the Paisley Jemba Gembas.
0: Yes, of the Paisley yes. Jemba Gembas, absolutely. So you're not too far from Jacob yeah. Smoke. Uh-huh. Um so I believe I win. Uh, I think what did you get there? You got three two. two. Yeah. 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 No, it's four two, wasn't it? Four two? It? Oh, yeah, of course it was four. Two. Two. Yeah.
1: Come on, just try to cheat. Come on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, that's all from us here at Football Scotland for today. We'll be back tomorrow before four pm, just in time to make your daily work commute that little bit more bearable. You can get more from us at the Football Scotland website or our social media channels on Facebook and Twitter. Twitter is at football underscore scott. If you ask a question or make a comment to us individually, you can get me on at Mackay and Jules on at Captain underscore Scotland. Till tomorrow. Thanks for listening. See ya.